everybody, this is So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. Uh, today on the show, we're starting a new series. We just wrapped yeah. up uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. And now, though, we're jumping into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where it Again. all began with Iron Man. This is our second trip into the MCU, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, a third. What's our third? We did, uh, oh, that's right, that's right. Um, we did uh, the Avengers first, and then along the way, we did Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And now we're doing Iron Man, one, two, and three. So that's exciting. Yay! Man, it came out in 2008. The one that started it all. Started, it kick-started the MCU. Uh, it made Robert Downey Jr. a movie star again. Mm-hmm. And the biggest he ever got to be. Yeah, arguably the uh, bigger star than he ever was. Still killing it. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Nobody remembers him from Ally McBeal. Not a soul. But, I do. No, and like the thing is, nowadays people think of him as an action star. They don't think about they 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 sort of overlook him as a I don't know comedic star who was on Saturday Night Live. No one remembers him from Saturday Night Live. I know. (laughs) Nobody remembers that season. And he's probably going to get typecast as like I'm. He was Iron Man. He was literally Doolittle. Yeah, he ain't going to be typecast. He's not going to be typecast. He did Doolittle. What's wrong? He's too big. Um, anyway, so Iron Man came out in 2008, Robert Downey Jr., MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, this 2008 is an interesting year in, in movies, if you really go back and look at some of the things that came out there. This one came out um, right before The Dark Knight did, which, like, at the time, Dark Knight really overshadowed Iron Man, which was, you know, of course it did. <laughs> um but of course, Iron Man proved to have um, quite the impact on not just superhero movies, but the the idea of the blockbuster in general mm-hmm. has been kind of redefined by the MCU. So I'm sure we all saw Iron Man when it came out. Yep. Yes, indeed, he feed the needy. Andrew did not. I, see I did not see it whenever it came out. Oh, really? Why? Uh, didn't look good to you? Well, uh, I just... I you just, go see a bunch of bullshit and you didn't go see <laughs> Iron Man? I could... Oh, oh I did. Well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Garrett Powders has left the building. Man, I oh. just got back. <laughs> Why didn't you go see Iron Man? I need you to 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 defend how your long, actions from twelve years ago. How long after it came out? I was uh, like, I was in school at the time, and there was. So were we? Yeah, but yeah. Like, next, excuse, next excuse. What else you got? I was a what fresh graduate got? at this point. Yeah, I was a high school senior. What you going to do? What you going to do? Yep, well, I, like, I, 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 to be honest with you, I really don't have a reason. Then, um, it just at the time it, it didn't it didn't really seem interesting to me. And then mm, yeah. I thought it passed you by. Oh my god! It just passed you by. That's okay. It's not okay. When did you eventually see it. Yeah. When did you see it? I saw was it last week. Out on video later that year. You oh, saw okay. it when it came out on video. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very old sentence. It is an old sentence. <laughs> you didn't even like hear all the hype and then go, oh, maybe I should go check out Iron Man like a month later or something. No. It's better than Die Hard, dude. Oh, well, that's, that's no question. I mean, I'm looking at what came out that same weekend already, Andrew, and it wasn't like there was a bunch of other stuff to go see. No. List some. Say, say something. Um, you want me? To, I'll, I'll list some stuff that's in the bottom. Uh, the I bottom. Because I guarantee that this pool on this 
screen. Saw all of them. Random ass. Movie. Did you go did see, go see Iron Man? Did you go see the Forbidden Kingdom that weekend, Andrew? No. Did you go no. see Nim's Island? No. Did you go see Prom Night? Oh, I saw Prom Night. <laughs> no. <laughs> you were at a theater at the time. I was working at a theater. That's true. Uh, where did Andrew? You must have went and saw Twenty One. No, 21. I think. I think it was. I think that's the one with John, John Cusack. Is that right? There's the one where they're like they're like counting cards. Yeah, yeah, I remember it. They're like six MIT kids. It's like I don't know. Uh, what else might Andrew have seen on here? Uh, Horton here's a who. This a drill bit movie. Taylor. Not Maybe a good movie. You saw Why Drill Bit Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Iron Man didn't look good, huh? But Drill Bit Taylor sure did. You went and saw Leatherheads, didn't you? Your credibility is no. I didn't go see Leatherhead in, in theaters, but uh, Drill Bit Taylor, it it, it sucked. <laughs> but you watched Drill Bit Taylor in a movie theater. That's to you, only person who's seen Drill Bit Taylor. You know, movie theaters are dying right now, and you're out here. <laughs> All right. Going to Drill Bit. Moving on. Well, no, right. I don't yes. think we can. I think the the show has been redefined. <laughs> I saw this, I think, twice Josh, in five listen, You started this meeting. Can you just mute his mic? I think I, I saw this. <laughs> Please do. I, I think I saw this like twice in less than three days when it came out. It was it was super cool. Yeah, Andrew's muted now. Yeah, I muted him. Jesus. I'll bring him back in a minute. No. You know what? What a good idea. Oh, wait, what the heck? I don't have full control. I'm, whenever someone talks too much, I'm just going to mute him. You kick him out of the meeting. Um, okay, but for real, though. Uh, David, you were talking about you saw, you saw it multiple times. Yep. Yeah. I saw it multiple times. I'm sure Garrett saw it multiple times. Probably. I don't remember the specifics. Andrew didn't see it until it came out on home video. <laughs> I remember I was in high school, and one of the coolest high school teachers I ever had was a big Iron Man fan. And I remember all of this hype because superhero movies, obviously, but I, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong. I know that Iron Man is like a, a character that people know, but I feel like he's not mainstream. At, in 2008, Iron Man is not mainstream for Marvel. No, he was not. For them to jumpstart everything with Iron Man, I feel like was bold strokes. It was mm-hmm. like, we're gonna give you a character that you may have heard of, but don't really know anything about. We're gonna test Robert Downey, who is uh, sketchy at that point in time, mm-hmm. and they just knocked it out of the park. Well, I mean, that was the like the crux that I think they had to deal with was all of Mar all uh, all of Marvel's best known characters. They did not have the rights to make a movie about, nope. so they were kind of forced into this. And uh, keep in mind, this is also pre Disney. So they're working with like Paramount and other companies to to throw this together. I think people forget that like this did not start with with Disney yeah. in, in in control. Uh, they started it out on their own. No, essentially, it's much more a, ragtag group. As 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 unlikely as this sounds today, this is essentially an indie movie because Marvel Studios was just was just like Marvel comics decided to launch their own studio and Marvel Entertainment decided to launch their own film studio and with the rights that they still had this movie had a good size budget but it's because they were able to go to people and pitch the movie 
on what they were able to get, which is things like, hey, we've got John Favreau interested in directing. John Favreau was really big from directing Elf, as well as a few other movies before that time. And they were able to kind of get interest in the movie and enough so that they could pay Robert Downey Jr., who didn't make as much here as he would end up making later. Get Gwyneth Paltrow, Jeff Bridges, got people you wouldn't really normally ever see in a superhero movie. And uh, really were able to make a real statement on a comparatively smaller budget than today's standards with a lesser known character that people weren't really expecting. You know what they did well though? Because what we have to go on for Marvel properties at this point in time, essentially, mm-hmm. is a bad Hulk movie. Um, yeah. You have bad Fantastic Four, two, two times over, I think. <laughs> and then you have all of the DC movies, which have all been very good for the most part, but very dark. And they came out, and yeah. the, the, I was thinking about this watching this movie. To this day, this movie is still cool. Like, it may not have the greatest of everything, but this movie, 10 years later plus, is still really cool. Tony Stark, very cool. Um, The way they handled the science and the graphics and the building of the Iron Man suit is very cool. Kicking things off with the cool riff that everybody recognizes of Back in Black and ACDC, that's Mm -hmm. cool. Tony Stark himself is so different than any other superhero character that you've ever seen. He's so nonchalant. He's basically, if Bruce Wayne were cool, like if he fell into the cool camp. Yeah. Um, well, he's and, if Bruce Wayne never had anything like that before. He's if he's if you know Bruce Wayne, the 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 character that Batman sort of puts on was a real guy. You know, like he's this super playboy who makes a lot of money. I mean, th- comparatively, like today's real world, people hardly even really compare to the level of sort of uh, character that this guy has. Like he's unlike anything that you've ever seen in a superhero movie before. He's not Peter Parker. He's not like Bruce Banner or Clark Kent or Bruce, or Bruce uh, Wayne or any of those characters that we've really seen before. Because he's like, he's just kind of a cool guy. And then you take that and you have a cool, you, you, you put him in a story, the sto- you know, where he is confronted by uh, demons that he didn't really even know were there. And it makes for a really cool narrative. And the way that they, they the way they orchestrate the plot makes every, makes you, really engage with the character of Tony Stark more so than the coolness of Iron Man. Yeah. Because we don't even really get like in the suit flying Iron Man until an hour into the movie. Mm-hmm. Like he, we have that, we have, we have that rudimentary basic suit that he builds, uh, you know, in like the, around the 35 minute mark, but then there's no more Iron Man suit until about an hour and four into the movie. And then you're finally, you're flying as Iron Man. And then the red and suit, red and red and gold suit doesn't even show up until about 15 minutes after that. So they don't like, it, it's not quite like most superhero movies where they just rush right into, I'm a superhero now doing superhero things. Here's a bunch of fighting in action. It's really a very character-based story. And I think that it's really made this character stand out because it's not just Iron Man that people think about. It's Tony Stark. They care about the person under the suit. Well, and that's what they need to do and they, they, origin stories are hard. 
in my opinion there you know that first movie sets up a lot and it sometimes doesn't go right but i think what they need to do a lot of times is what is look at this movie and implement that into origin stories don't make me care about the superhero give me the superhero at the end or near the end give me something at the end that make me care about the character and then you can hook me because that's what they did i mean again if you see a tony stark like character the odds of you liking him are very small he's very selfish he's very uh self-centered he's he's an asshole to start off this movie but then you you pepper in and i use that on purpose because you see it that he legitimately cares about pepper even though he's a playboy Mm -hmm. um you see that he's scared building this suit after he's been captured or captured he's really cool with the soldiers and then all of a sudden everything goes crazy and he has this moment of like oh my god and he sees that it's his weapon that is killing these soldiers and that sets something off in him Mm -hmm. that he didn't know was there and then he continues to build um his whole interaction with jensen as they're building that very first Iron Man suit and he cares for this man and he wants to save him. And, and when Jensen goes and say, and sacrifices himself for Tony, that sets something else off. When he gets back, he sits down at the podium and he's, he's like, we're not doing weapons anymore. Um, and I had a moment because I'd never really put them together because I've never seen them back to back like that. Um, but that moment, where he realized he wanted to change is very similar to what he did in civil war. Whenever he realized, okay, we're helping people, but my actions are putting innocent people at harm and I can't have that. And it Mm -hmm. just goes to show that in 2008, they had that moment. And then in civil war, they had that moment, and they continued to keep Tony and they do that with all their characters. But this is the really first time that I had gone back to watch Iron Man after having this whole phase of Marvel and seeing what they did and keeping those character elements. And so when I saw him do that, immediately I thought of Civil War and that's how Civil War started. So they just, they didn't even know what they were doing at that point in time, but so many things continued through 12 years of storytelling. Right, I actually had that discussion with my wife because she pointed out that he actually says the line in Iron Man, when he comes back from this experience, I saw that I became comfortable with a system of zero accountability. He actually says that line, and that's basically the whole crux of what Civil War would end up being about is that Tony, he, he pushes away from what, from what system he viewed was bad in his life, and he took responsibility for his stuff, right? And then right. What it, over time, he un, sort of unwittingly or maybe unknowingly created a whole new system of zero accountability for himself. And when he realizes that when he's confronted with that in Civil War, it's, of course, he's going to make the same decision. I, you know, I realized I became, I became a part of a system that doesn't hold, people, hold, hold myself and others accountable. I'm going to change that. So like, it, it, like they didn't know it at the time when they were, right, when they were making Iron Man 1. But right. if, you really are, if you really go back, you can find these moments that really kind of steer towards those big, the, the, the big things that we would get later. What about you, Josh? Is there anything particular you remember about your first memories? About my first memories? Or even new memories you made this time? Um, honestly, no. Um, no, nothing really stood out to me this time. 
that I hadn't noticed in the past. Um, it's still just a really solid, like kind of introduction to a character. It's a good, it's a good origin story. Um, it's different than what we'd been used to. Cause you know, before this, we pretty much just saw the origin stories of like Batman, Superman and Spider-Man kind of repeated over and over again. And getting a different character is very nice. Very nice to see a new type of origin story that we weren't used to. Mm-hmm. Um, a new type of character that we weren't really used to. You know, you compared Tony to Bruce Wayne, and they're, the similarity is definitely there. They're both rich men who can, like, basically pay their way to being a superhero, uh, but they both approach it in such drastically different ways. Mm-hmm. And for... Different enough reasons. I mean, you got Batman is Bruce Wayne is Batman to kind of, you know, seek vengeance for his parents. Uh And Tony becomes Iron Man, not to kind of seek a personal vengeance per se, but that idea of kind of righting his own wrongs Uh uh, through, you know, his production and selling of like, weapons of mass destruction to foreign governments and the government and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's a kind of a more complex story that I really appreciate that aspect of it. And your take on a similar theme. Yeah. And it, and it is like he does so much cooler things with the money and the technology than you get from Batman per se. Mm -hmm. So that's also fun. The, the Iron Man suit is amazing. Um, seeing him, I really love seeing him go through the process of building it and trying to get it right. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the first suit he builds is out of like necessity. He's trying to escape captivity. And so it's this really um, rough, almost scary looking thing, massive. And then he gets to refine it. And I still love the part in the uh, in his garage where he's like flying all over the place with the jet jetpacks on his hands and feet. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's funny stuff. Yeah. Um, the only real downside to this movie that I think there is, and it's really just a downside for the MCU, is that the, again the villain is very weak. Yeah, I feel like. The performance by Jeff Bridges is fine. Yeah. But the the there's no real shock when it turns out, I think, even back when I watched it the first time, there's no real shock that he's the bad guy. Well, and what's great um, to me, or what, what works about it, is that this movie benefits from being an origin story in that your focus is not the villain. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter who the villain is. The villain just needs to be competent. And mm-hmm. he is... It's just not very exciting. Now, the good thing is most of the excitement comes from becoming Iron Man mm-hmm. in this movie. It's down the line when that starts to really hurt it in different ways that we'll talk about in the future. But yeah, it would have been nice to have gotten, I don't know, it's just the big, the, like, the, the, the guy who takes over the company while Tony's gone, like, it becomes a bad guy. Well, and it's not, it's It's lame. It's lame. It's unfortunately not a really very good 
like final fight they necessarily have either. Like, right. It's not necessarily like, you know, we talked about, they take all this time building Tony Stark and we were working your way up to Iron Man. You know, you have big clunky suit, then you have suit with no colors and you have color suit and you're finally getting to like, like let's really cap it off here and have like a really exciting robot suit fight, you know, but it's just kind of very, it's the fight's kind of clunky, which makes sense when you consider like these two guys have never fought in iron suits before. So why would they be good, good fighters? But yeah, it doesn't necessarily feel like a very, rewarding climactic fight which i think is what you really want in a good superhero movie is you want cool comic book fighting you know unrealistic crazy fights um so that that, that's the the payoff there isn't great but you know fortunately the rest of the movie does such a good job that it's kind of hard to let that hamper it too much yeah and the the real payoff doesn't even come from the 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 like climax with the villain because that's honestly forgettable once you get to the real end and it mm. ends on this cliffhanger moment of Tony doing what we've previously always been told is the one thing that a superhero can never do, which yep. is just admit it. Yeah. He's got all the press there with him at Stark Industries, and it's like, I am Iron Man. And then the credits roll, and it's like, what? They never do that. What if yeah. Batman did that? That would be crazy. Yeah. Crazy. What if <laughs> so you don't even, did that? You don't even remember, you don't even care about the villain anymore. It was just a piece of the story to get you there. It's a it's a movie that's really completely about Iron Man, right? And it doesn't matter who he's fighting. No, that's true. No, it's and it's a it's a very cool ending. Um, it is a cool ending. That I remember what I remember. I remember when the credits went. I was just I was just like, oh, that was awesome. It ends there, man. Um, because like, yeah, Spider Man. We've had like by this point three Spider Man movies where he's like. Like no one can know my 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 secret identity. Yeah, you know we've had Batman movies forever. Batman hiding his face when people, you know, almost see him without his mask. You know, we literally him. had Batman forever. Yeah, right. and um, you know, so like it was very. It's a very refreshing concept, and 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 in general, they've kind of kept that up in the MCU. There's not really very many secret identities in the MCU movies. No, it's really just, and that's you know, very recently. Uh, been the lid's been taken off that, but but Spider Man was the only real secret identity in the MCU. Everyone knew Steve Rogers was Cap. Everyone knows about Bruce Banner. Like everyone knows about these people. Mm-hmm. Andrew, say words. Speak. Speak now. So, when it comes to action films, mm-hmm. it's very rare that I, I, I hold action films a little bit to a high degree because not only they have to be at a certain value to where it's not boring because mm-hmm. action action films can be boring in that you know if there's no substance there's really you know there's really nothing there's really nothing going on here and i feel like if you're going to make an effective an effective movie straight out the gate you're going to make you're going to need to do something that's pretty off the wall uh, it was mentioned earlier that it was a big gamble cast like casting everybody in this movie really especially Robert Downey Jr. I think Robert Downey Jr. could not have been a better choice because the way I look at it, Iron Man is a little bit like personal redemption. And you could say, you could even say that Robert Downey Jr., uh, this was like a personal redemption for him in terms of his career because we see Tony Stark as, you know, this arrogant person who's 
really doesn't care about anything except selling weapons and making money when really he sees the bad things that he's been doing and tries to redeem himself through making a good, uh, try to right his wrongs, even though he's probably going to spend his whole life doing it. Um, one, if you look at like Robert Downey Jr., you know, his, if you study his history, he's had a bad history. He's treated himself horribly. And this is like his one shot to actually do it, to actually like uh, get out of the rut that he's in. And he does it ex- extremely well. He does it incredibly well. One um, might say he did not throw away his shot. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, I said shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but like, Gosh, was, he was muted, so he was helpless. <laughs> oh, burn. You muted. <laughs> oh. Satisfied. Yeah, you can come. Uh, but anyway, uh, oh, boy. no, like this movie is incredibly solid because you don't, you have the elements of, you have the elements of comedy, but mo- but more importantly, you have the elements of structure. Mm-hmm. The structure in this, the formula they're using, is absolutely great. It's it's incredibly entertaining even today, and it 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 has held up very very well. Mm-hmm. Even since 2008, and um, yeah, the graphics don't look silly. No, yeah, I mean they don't. you you run into a whole kit and caboodle of possible just doesn't hold up. But I mean, everything they do with that suit, even the montages of him making yeah. it, the close-ups of it being ironed into him, ironed or like screwed into him, uh, it all looks great. Still, yeah. 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 Well, we're, we're kind of lucky in that regard that um, you know the late 2000s the technology really got there and we're not far enough away from it yet. I think to know the difference. Yeah. Um, who knows in 10 years, it might look like crap. <laughs> I don't know what it'll look like. If, if I, if, uh, if avatar five comes out and it's like 3d with my own eyes and not glasses. And like, also it's actually 4d and yeah. you're in and everything. Movie, then everything, I might go, ah, Iron Man kind of sucks. Everything looks totally normal. <laughs> yeah. But like it just, it it, it it makes it it makes the argument that Iron Man is that much better of a movie. And it it really sets the stage for it really sets the stage for, you know, what what, what good is gonna come of this. And MCU really knew what kinda knew what they were doing whenever they whenever they launched it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the choice of director of John Favreau was genius. Favreau. We use Favreau. Whatever, John Favreau. I think. Favreau. What are you? <laughs> you muted. You muted. No, you're not. <laughs> no, I. Uh, I agree Favreau. with you. He, you know, he was hot off a couple other movies at this time, mm-hmm. and this one really, I put him on the map as being a pretty reliable guy to go for. Well, wasn't a lot of this, um, and maybe I'm wrong, and but like, wasn't a lot of this movie just kind of improv? My understanding is that they didn't really have a lot of script to go with. So Favreau yeah, a lot and of- uh, uh, Danny Jr. were just kind of like, here's the thing, let's try this. And so a lot of it was just them and their talent as a director and as an actor, because a lot of mm-hmm. it, from what I've seen, a lot of like BuzzFeed articles that I've read, so take it for what it's worth, mm-hmm. um, talk about how Robert Downey Jr., some of the best moments come whenever he's just going off the top of his head. They, they talked about Spider-Man. And I guess there was a scene between he and uh, 
Tom Holland, where Holland forgot his blocking and didn't stand up and move. And so he just goes, or Robert Downey Jr. just goes, this is where I sit down now. But it worked because he's, he, Peter Parker, is so stunned by Tony Stark. And that was the thing that Tony Stark would do. And it just made sense. And I feel like yeah. this movie was also kind of a lot of them just like, let's just try this and see what happens. Yeah, I think they had a story structure. They had they had scene templates sort of ironed out of like what needs to happen in each scene. But as far as dialogue was concerned, like they just kind of got in there and Favreau and Downey and Paltrow and Bridges and Terrence Howard, whoever they had that needed in the scene, they would just kind of like uh, improv and spitball and they would, you know, they'd probably, you know, come up with something. Oh, that sounds really good. Let's definitely say that. And then, you know, we can kind of find our way out of the scene, you know, as naturally as we can. And these people all have such great chemistry. You'd think they'd been working together for like 40 years, but this was like for a lot of them, their first times really working together uh, this close to this closely anyway. But, but also, you know, you have, you have to understand that both Robert Downey Jr. And John Favreau have comedy roots. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're, that's kind of what they are. I mean, they're, they're, they're comedy roots and to find them in an action film, you don't know what you really don't know what you're gonna gonna expect. And yeah, that's why I think it's 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 genius on his part to like include that to include Robert Downey, and and it was totally unexpected and surprisingly quite good. Yeah, and you know this the the the, the tone of this movie really became the tone of all the movies that Marvel would make going forward. In that, yeah, there's action. There's some very there's some serious. Um, you know, moments, but there's a lot of humor and there's a little bit of, there's a good amount of lightheartedness. There's, you know, elements of slapstick and, and, and genuine jokes um, littered through these movies. And I think it's part of what has made them feel so much more approachable is the sort of, I don't know, the, 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 the fact that all the characters have a certain charm. You know, there's a book that uh, exists in this world that I highly recommend for anybody who is a fan of comic book anything, uh, whether you're an actual fan of comic books or the movies or, or whatever, it's called Slugfest. And essentially it looks at the history of DC and Marvel um, over the course of the years. Obviously DC has been around forever. So everybody's very familiar with Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman and all of those heroes. They've been around forever. And Marvel came around several years after that, it was like the 60s or the 70s, I think. And the difference is, and you can see it in the movies, you can see it in the comic books, the difference, that one of the main differences is how relatable the heroes and characters are in the Marvel universe. Not, not just in the movies, but in the, wor- in the world of each company. Mm-hmm. The problem that you run into, in my opinion, with Batman, and Superman and Wonder Woman. Batman's a little more relatable because he went through some stuff. But like all of those characters are seen as perfect gods. Like people look up to them and they're the epitome of good and they have no bad flaws about them that they portray. Whereas Marvel is like, nah, they're just regular people. Let's put their flaws out there. Let's put all of this stuff out there and make them real people and not these perfect embodiments of what we should be 
that people look up to and worship. And that's what you run into a lot of times with those DC movies. They have done a lot better in this initiation, at least with Wonder Woman, um, Superman. Shazam. Didn't that well. And Shazam. They're doing a better job of, of making their characters more relatable. But for so long, whether it's in comic book or whether it was movies, they're just so squeaky clean. And mm. that's not reality. And I think that's where they struggled. So. Yeah, I mean, Iron Man as a character started off as as sort of like a dare, you know, a bet. Um, I don't really remember the exact uh, the, the the exact you know the people involved. But I know Stan Lee was challenged to make a superhero, make a character people would like that was uh, like a weapons industrialist. Like that was like more or less the point because like when it was written during the seventies, uh, you have the Vietnam War going on. Vietnam War very controversial. Uh, back then and the idea of making a superhero out of somebody who essentially was a war profiteer is like that'll never work and so San was like well we'll try it you know and so uh they they came up with this whole premise and he became into, you know he becomes becoming one of the more popular characters they have of the 70s um and it's because of his struggles with his uh his his own you know perception in the you know in the in the world and his struggles with his, uh, you know, his addiction and things like that, that people really kind of latched on to the character because Marvel's characters at the time were a little bit more adult and a little bit more uh, flawed and relatable. I mean, down to the point of, of you know, Spider-Man and Hulk were like, I think, uh, named like two uh, two characters like there's like some kind of study at harvard and they named spider-man and the incredible hulk as characters that were pop icons to them and i was uh, like you know like up there with like michael jackson and like uh someone else i can't remember but like fi these fictional characters um and you've had bouts of that with the dc characters trying to get that same thing but because those characters were such pillars of morality for so long the idea of making them flawed has met been met with a lot of uh you know pushback of like if you change what was special about those characters to try to make them more relatable then they're not really the characters they were anymore and so it's very difficult you kind of have to walk find a find a good line of making the character relatable while not sort of undoing what makes them special I think the difference for me yeah. in these types of movies between Marvel and DC, and we've gone on to a different type of conversation, but it's a good conversation <laughs> in my opinion, yeah. um, is that we know how these movies are going to end. The bad guy is going to triumph, or the, the good guy is going to triumph. That's, that's just the way these movies go. Mm. You're going to have a struggle. You're going to have a fight. The good guys are going to win at the end. The end. That's it. The difference is, when I watch them, the believability that the Marvel people could lose is higher because of the fact that they are more relatable. Whereas Superman, I, I mostly focus on Superman. Batman is, a, a, again, more relatable because of the fact that he is just a regular guy. But like Superman and Wonder Woman are gods. Like mm -hmm. legitimately, okay. they're yeah. legitimate gods. And well, I mean, Superman's an alien, but I mean, in the world, whatever. You, you know what I'm saying. It's not believable to me 
that, yeah, they won. Okay, that's expected. But there is a chance that the Marvel people could lose because they're not all powerful. They're just dudes most of the time. Their, their enemies resemble Superman more than they do. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's the difference that I have when I watch those movies is just I, as much as I enjoy them both, I, I skew towards Marvel because of the fact that there is so much real life and relatability that I can grasp onto mm-hmm. that is still missing from some of these DC movies. So you would say that like MCU is more human, human, like, like, like yeah. human, like human based. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, right. if you think, I mean, even Guardians of the Galaxy, um, you know, those are mostly aliens, but they still treat them like humans. They don't treat them yeah. like aliens. Even I, I, you feel sympathy for sympathy for a talking raccoon. I mean, sure. when when, uh, when when Superman died. I felt nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Ooh, am I supposed to be sad right now? Okay. I'm not. He didn't have much of a personality of which to mm-hmm. connect to. And I still claim that that has more to do with the, 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 the creators involved with those particular films and film franchises than it does the actual character itself. I think that almost any character can be brought to that, those points. They just got to find a real good way to breathe new life into some of these older characters. Right, and that is also a problem that DC tends to run into is because those characters are so old. I, I get what you're saying about, um, you know, you, you don't want to change them because that's the way they've always been. But you know what? Times have changed. Mm-hmm. Change them. You can keep well, the essence of them, but, like, put yeah. them in different scenarios. Change it up a little you to, bit. You have to find that way to adapt. Yeah. Um, I have one really interesting uh, thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, if, unless anybody has anything else. The, the only thing I was going to say real quick, just to, just to kind of point it out there, I thought it was interesting how they used ACDC songs throughout the, <laughs> entire, throughout the entire movie. Yeah. For a movie, co- for a movie called Iron Man, which is a song by Black Sabbath. Yeah, they save that for the credits. They do save hey, that for the credits. You can't blow your load right out the gate like that. No, but like... But like the, the use of the use of ACDC songs was really good. It was a really oh, yeah. nice touch. It was a lot of fun. The movie comes out with a ton of energy. You yes. know, when Back in Black slaps in, and you know you're like you know you're watching a uh, armed caravan tear through the desert, and then all of a sudden you know like you're in a firefight. It's an extreme amount of you know you're like whoa, this is hitting right out of the gate. They didn't expect this. It's it's pretty cool. Stop looking, watch. Um, so Andrew, you mentioned the idea of this movie, the theme of this movie being sort of about self-redemption, right? Or redemption. And I think, so I've been, I've, I have, I have thought about or tried to on several occasions, write Like a full, like thesis paper about this, about this theme that they crafted with the Marvel movies and they give you, they give you a, uh, foreshadow, a, a template for this right at the beginning of this movie. Um, and it kind of goes over, overviewed by, uh, you know, most people overlook it, but at the beginning of the movie, um, the reporter, Christine Everhart, she comes up to Tony Stark and she asks him all these questions about if he loses sleep about, you know, what he's, you know, his, his line of work being a weapons manufacturer. And she says, um, how do you respond to your other nickname, the merchant of death? Now the merchant of death is not necessarily a new nickname. Here's a story going back to 1888 In 1888. Ludwig Nobel uh, passed away 
And several French newspapers wrote, the merchant of death is dead. Now, these French newspapers had the story wrong because Ludwig, Mo- Ludwig Nobel was not the merchant of death. His brother, Alfred Nobel, was known as the merchant of death. Oh. Alfred Nobel, who you may know for the Nobel Peace Prize, invented dynamite, which, while good for mining, also became a very common tool. It and uh, things that they could make using it in very popular tools for warfare. So Alfred Nobel created what was at the time a very common weapon of war, and French. There were some in the in the French press referred to him as the Merchant of Death. When Alfred Nobel saw these headlines that it had mistakenly attributed him being dead, and he saw that his legacy was the Merchant of Death, it apparently appalled him so much that he decided to dedicate all of the money he had to go into a fund to create the Nobel Peace Prize to encourage peace and to encourage uh, discovery and exploration so that his legacy would forever be changed. And nowadays, I think most people, when you hear Nobel, you think of the Nobel Peace Prize, you don't think of the guy who created dynamite. That right there is your template for everything Tony Stark will ever do in these movies. Tony Stark is confronted with seeing his name plastered all over these bombs and weapons in the hands of the people that he thinks they're designed to stop and he realizes that his name and his legacy, as Jensen tells him, is basically dirt. He is forever going to be known as this monster killer that, uh, that, that helped all this. And so his course of action is to change that legacy so that Tony Stark and Stark Industries is not known as a weapon manufacturer, but as like a forward-moving progressive technology company that basically is a world saver and not a world uh, destroyer. And I think that's just such a fascinating idea to kind of tie Tony Stark historically to Alfred Nobel, because even when we get into it next week in Iron Man 2, what does he do? He creates the Stark Expo, which is, an, uh, 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 which is a thing to, to foster ideas and technology and new ways of doing things. And I just think that's such a cool little thing that's really buried in the movie that I don't even know if honestly that was what they intended to be the case, but just bringing up the merchant of death, I was like, I know that story. What, what exactly is that? It's such a fascinating idea. Uh, of, and legacy really is the central theme of this entire franchise with Iron Man, uh, Iron Man two and three, both look at elements of that. And really you could make an argument that Tony's entire through line through the MCU is about Tony fixing his legacy. Very good. Wow. I did get mind blown. That was a whole thesis on Alfred Nobel right there. I know. I know. Wow, that was because I've, I've tried to, I, I've, I've written that like three times. Like I've written up like a whole paper on it and I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to put this. Well, put I'm glad you found it. Like three likes. Uh, a uh, the internet a, a like podcast it. with a small audience is the perfect place. Yes. Yeah. I know. Right. I thought I'll put it on Reddit and I'll get like four upvotes. <laughs> I don't even know what to add to that. I mean, yeah. Oh, that's that's pretty deep. Um, I like it when things go boom. <laughs> like my mind is right now. Boom. Oh, boy. I like the red and the gold colors on Iron Man. Anybody uh, for what? <laughs> Just ignore I was going to say, we should yeah. talk about the fact that uh, Paul Bettany got 
uh, basically saved his career uh, thanks to an hour of uh, voiceover work for this movie. True. Well, and, and on the flip side, uh, Terrence Howard lost his chance to be a superhero. <laughs> I know. I know. Why it's really a career. Like, I know that he's done a few things, but like, who thinks about Terrence Howard? Nobody. Really awkward. What? So, Terrence Howard, was he just, did they, did they just let him go? Or Oh, there's say, a whole thing about it. You don't know the whole thing about it? We'll get into that I, know, I know a little bit about it, but. Brief synopsis is he alleges that uh, Robert Downey Jr. hung him out to dry. He wanted more money, and uh, Terrence Howard was like, come on, RDGA, what's up? Hook me up. And he was like, no. That's the Terrence Howard version. Of yeah, supposedly Marvel wouldn't pay him more, and he asked for more, and he thought that Robert would uh, be with him on that and may not uh, have been the case. Very soon, uh, Edward Norton would learn that lesson. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't you know if we'll ever really, uh, no. I don't know if we'll ever end up really covering uh, The Incredible Hulk since it didn't really ever have a true sequel, nor was it a Probably sequel not. itself. Probably not. But it came out. It came out just months after this movie. One month. It came out in June. Iron Man came out in May. Wow. Um, I remember seeing The Incredible Hulk all by myself with a room full of fathers and their six-year-olds. I also <laughs> saw the movie all by myself. I uh, don't believe I saw it in theaters. Lame. I didn't see that one in theaters. Andrew That's okay. I didn't see Thor in theaters. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, anybody got like a favorite part or anything you want to like touch on before mm. we move to a new? I track? still like when he blows up that big old tank with that tiny missile and just walks yeah. away like a boss. Yeah, that's pretty. That's a, that's a pretty hard scene. I kind of like that and uh, seeking missiles that kill all the bad guys and knock the civilians. I like that too. I kind of like it's right right around that same part where he uh, he pulls that guy out of the wall. He throws oh, him down. Yeah. He like he takes off, and he. I remember the first. This is like the first time you really ever get to hear it. He talks while inside the suit, and it's all like synthesized and electronic. And I thought it was the tsunami guy. He's like, he's all <laughs> yours. And I was like, oh man, Iron Man <laughs> robot voice. This is so cool. That's funny. Cool. Uh, I would. I would have to say when when Tony when Tony like busted out of that, like busted out of his uh, his 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 chamber mm-hmm. whenever he whenever he first designed the suit because that that design of the suit was actually the first design of iron man and i like how they paid homage to it mm-hmm. uh, another little part is when he's testing out the thing and he goes i'm gonna take it easy just gonna go 10 percent." and he goes <laughs> slams backward into the wall yeah, that was like the, the funniest thing i had seen all year that at that point i, I do like whenever he was whenever he was testing the prototype and he crashed onto the car <laughs> and that robot just sprayed, sprayed fire extinguisher on him. <laughs> oh, brother. All right. Well, then let's, uh, let's talk about the box office history of this movie. Let's do, let's do. Iron Man debuted May 2nd of 2008. Uh, Opening weekend was really good. It debuted to a three-day total of $98.6 million, which was as good as 98.6 degrees. <laughs> it's about the highest uh, non-$100 million weekend there is. Um, also in the top five that weekend, you had Maid of Honor, bringing in 14.7. Baby Mama, 
bringing in $10 million even. Harold and Kumar, Escape from Guantanamo Bay, was in its second week. Brought in 6.1 mil. And uh, number five, I have a feeling this is going to be, some of you guys will like this movie, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Great movie. Yeah, that brought in in an even six in its third weekend. Um, Also a movie that Andrew's never seen. (laughs) It's all right. He hasn't? No, I wasn't kidding. I said (laughs) I wasn't kidding. Hang on, hang on. Give me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. He took his video away. Oh, I can't start it back up. Oh, you can't? Nope. (laughs) No. Don't don't let him back in, damn it. (laughs) Leave him out there. There are consequences to your actions, and he has to learn. He's out there in the cold. Be grateful I didn't mute you. (laughs) (laughs) So, um,. Iron Man would go on to make $318 million in the United States. Uh, it would bring in another $266 million from overseas, bringing its worldwide total to $585.3 million, which is a good haul. A good haul for a quote-unquote untested character. Yeah, uh, yeah. Unknown character. Uh, if we go to the year 2008... The, uh, He's seen Drill Bit Taylor, though. Sorry, I just couldn't let it go. Couldn't let it go. <laughs> Uh, Drill bit, Taylor, what to look where that finished on the top Um, board. So Iron Man, like we talked about, opening May 2nd, definitively opened the summer movie season that year and finished number two for the yearly box office. Uh, Definitively ending the summer movie season that year was the number one movie, The Dark Knight, which brought in $533 million just domestically and would uh, worldwide uh, make a very, very hard push to being the, I think at that time, only the third movie or second movie did ever cross a billion dollars, um, which it would do. And unfortunately, it sits at the very bottom of the now humongous billion-dollar club. I, I, I do want to point something out about this. Um, I want to say this year, 2008, was probably the start of like the mega blockbusters. It was. Like the billion-dollar blockbusters because there's only – it's just like what you said just a second ago. I think this is number. I think this is the third now that I think about it because it goes. At the time, it was Titanic. I think Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Yeah, I think that was the other one. And I remember that The Dark Knight. The The Dark Knight, whenever it completed the summer, didn't cross the billion dollar. It didn't cross the billion dollar mark yet. It wasn't until the next year when they re-released it. Yep. And it finally did, and it just barely inched over it. Yep. But like, That's exactly right. 2008 was sort of a, a banner year because I think the successes of Iron Man and The Dark Knight really determined how the two uh, comic book movies themselves would, how they would handle their futures. Yeah. Um, where you have like DC, almost every movie is trying to emulate that sort of dark grittiness that you see with The Dark Knight. Whereas the Marvel movies, they continue to sort of embrace uh, a more lighthearted, naturalistic feel with their, uh, with their films. And that kind of carried through to how I think a lot of the other movie franchises out there would handle their stuff. If you look at the other movies that came out that year, at number three, you had Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull bringing in $317 million. Number four, you have Hancock bringing in two twenty seven, And at number five, you have Pixar's Wall-E bringing in two twenty three. Is 2020 going to be the first year without a billion-dollar movie in yes. many years? Um, yeah, probably in quite a while. Uh, since at least 2015, I think. 
No, there was a billion dollar movie in 2015. I'll have to look it up. But uh, Kung Fu Panda, sorry, or sorry, <laughs> what I meant to say was some other movies that came out that year, Kung Fu Panda, Twilight, uh, Quantum of Solace, we'll get to you one day. Uh, let me see here. Oh, uh, Sex in the City. There's a movie everybody loves. Uh, Mama Mia. Here we go again. Marley and Me. Slumdog Millionaire was, uh, I believe, the best picture winner that year, wasn't it? Yep. So there you go. The other Marvel movie came out that year, The Incredible Hulk, finished at number 17. So, um, Drillbit Taylor. Oh, yeah, I got to find Drillbit. Where is he at? So, uh, oh, there's Tropic Thunder at number 23. Um, uh, here's a movie I guarantee you, Andrew, seen Valkyrie. Uh, that was one with Tom Cruise. He's there. Saw five. Uh, <laughs> there was a Rambo movie in 2008. I forgot. Saw about. five made more money than Drillbit Taylor. Yeah, Andrew, so I just far. want you to understand all this. So far. Oh, here it is. In the number 86 spot, Andrew or Drillbit Taylor <laughs> uh, brought in $32.8 million. You can go see Iron Man, though. <laughs> well, in its defense, Drillbit Taylor technically made more than the, the movie Milk with Sean Penn, so good for it. Milk was an indie film, though. Yeah, it's true. Oscar nominated. I'll Milk take that film. away. Uh, Anyway, so Drillbit Drill um, Taylor is the the I can why am I even no it is a movie starring Josh Peck. <laughs> Owen Wilson was in it. Yeah, not but better. we let's not. Yeah, Josh let's, Peck is better than Owen, Owen Wilson. Wilson is the is Josh the Peck is better than Owen Wilson. But what movie have you ever heard of Josh Peck in other than my uh, one of my favorite movies ever, Max Keeble's Big Move? <laughs> <laughs> he was that in was Snow young. Day. No Max Keeble's Big Move, Snow Day, and Drillman Taylor. And arguably, Max Keeble's Big Move and Snow Day are actually just, you know, the same movie, but Max Keeble didn't show up for one of them. <laughs> yeah, um. and it snows in one of them. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's it for the box office. That's that week. I mean, Why are you so quick. creepy close to your camera, too, bro? You it's get a, all essential. It's a... A very high-grossing movie. Um, I, what do you guys? Are you guys? Do you guys want to know where it stands uh, on the uh, MCU as a total? Yeah, like where it's where it ranks against all the other ones. Let's look here. Oh no, leave that as a tiebreaker, and if we don't need it, then we'll. Uh, oh, good, good, good. That's a good idea. We'll, uh, go through it. That's a good idea. Okay, so we'll move on now to the letterbox game. I believe I won the game last week, so I'll run through this real quick for you guys. Um, if you're new to the show, Letterbox Game is where we go to letterbox.com where people, uh, regular everyday fans, get to rate movies. And um, we challenge each other to guess what that total, what the aggregate score is amongst all the fans on the Letterbox community. So, with that in mind, what are your guesses for the movie Iron Man? I accidentally almost read my ranking, my personal ranking, as the ranking for the movie. Um, go ahead. Who wants to go first? I will. Go ahead, Andrew. I'm going to go with 3.9. 3.9 from Andrew. Uh, I'm going to – I don't think I can overcome my bias enough to make it less than 4.2. Four, four, 4.2? Two. I don't think it's that high, but I don't think I can make myself go any lower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Josh? Three point eight. Three point eight from Josh. All right, your winner this week. No tiebreaker will be necessary. 
because your winner this week is Josh with a score of 3.7 is the actual score. Now, the, I guess uh, you can actually get down to the nitty-gritty here. The weighted average is actually 3.73. So 3.73. Josh is only off by like a, a small fraction of decimals. Um, oh. Yeah. What do we think about that? 3.7. Is that Does that sound good to you guys? I'm happy with it. Yeah, I'm, that's fine. I don't I'm think I'm quite in love with it, it but, it's, but it's, it's fine. I, I thought it would be higher, but I'm okay with it. I thought it would be higher too. I'm looking at some of the people who follow me and who I follow that have ranked it, and they all rank it very much lower than I would think. Thought I would think it'd be a solid 4.0. Is that was that your ranking uh, officially, Andrew? Yeah. Because it, will, it stands the test of time. It's it's, yep. 12, it's 13 years or no 12 years old, and it's still it's still entertaining. It's still it's still an entertaining flick. I will also give it a. F- Four, I think, even four. I think the only things that really hold it back for me are like we talked about with some of the villain issues. Um, But otherwise, there's nothing to hate about this movie. It's it's great. Four from me as well. I'm gonna up it by a point five. Go with four and a half because I was watching it and I always thought the same thing about the villain. But the villain in this story makes sense. He may not be the strongest. But it makes sense. I mean, well, of course it makes sense, but it's executed poorly, is what we. It's not. Saying. It's not. I wouldn't say it's executed poorly. I would just say that it's not a like. It's just a generic thing. I wouldn't say it's executed poorly because there is a connection between those two. I and would like, say it feels. And Jeff Bridges does a good job. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just not flashy. Yeah, I would say it's executed exactly how it was made to be. But I think that they could have done a little bit more to make it a bigger show i don't know because iron man himself tony stark is so grandiose that like the villain by comparison seems so low-key um that he's and i don't mean the joke there but he seems so so sort of steady even that it doesn't really it doesn't quite work as well it feels like he needed somebody to match him um but otherwise yeah i mean what is there to dislike so what does that bring our average to something like 4.2 4.1 4.1 that's not a bad score Little better than the a little better than the than the letterbox average. Where does this rank on the Marvel list of money makers? Oh, it is um so unadjusted for inflation, it sits at the number thirteen spot. Yeah. Which when you think about the fact that they've had twenty four movies at this point, to still be in the middle, like in the top in the you know, towards the upper uh towards I don't know how to say this best. But upper echelon, upper part, yeah, it's in the upper half. Well, not really. I guess it would have to be twelve to be in the upper half. But you know what I mean, like right, like it sits at three hundred eighteen million worldwide. Like the movies that are ahead of it, Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider Man. Um, I'm not really able to adjust for inflation anymore on these on these box office mojo charts. I'll try to look into that next week for Iron Man two. But anyway, that's about all we have. Uh, I think. Yep, that's it. We'll be back next week with Iron Man right. 2. Um, yikes. Mickey Rourke, his big comeback. He tried to be Robert Downey Jr. for a hot second. Do not like Mickey Rourke. <laughs> do not like him. That's Sam Rockwell. No, I like Sam Rockwell. Oh, um, he was so underutilized. So I'll tell you what, if, if John Goodman was playing the bad guy, we'd be all about it. 
<laughs> You're not wrong. Um, <laughs> well, well, this is just a drop tease, but like if the problem is that Sam Rockwell could have been a, ba- a good bad guy had they let him. Yep. They didn't. They let Mickey Rourke do it. Yep. They gave you. They didn't give you much with uh, Rockwell, and they didn't give me enough anyway. Yeah, I mean the best part, the best thing to me about Iron Man Two is the introduction of Black Widow. Oh yes, yes, and we'll but we'll talk about that talk next all about time. that next week. That's a good teaser. Okay, um, find us online at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also on Letterboxd. Just search so many sequels on all those. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and subscribe to our podcast. Subscribe to both of them. Yep. You don't have to listen to both. Follow us everywhere. Subscribe to both. We're having a lot of fun on Facebook too these days. So a lot of fun on Facebook. A lot of good memes and of, stuff. Yeah, a lot of you know, which which what do you you know, one has to go. Johnny Depp. Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. You, did you see that, David? We we, we posted I that did. while you were gone. You agree, I did. right? Literally it's nobody Depp. said Leonardo DiCaprio, but that's who I'd pick. You'd pick Leo. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't comment as me. I kept making me comment as so many sequels, and I was oh. like, I want to comment as David. I wish I but could yeah, figure I, out why people keep defending Johnny Depp, but I just, yeah, I got nothing. He's, he's killed. He's oh a trash dumpster. Is, when you look oh. at their bodies of work, the biggest loss for me personally with Leo would be Inception, and I'm kind of okay yes. to, to lose Inception if it means I get to keep all of Tom Cruise's, all of uh, Depp, and all of Tom Hanks. Was it Tom Hanks? Yeah. But, like, yeah. what of Depp do you really want to keep? The Pirates movie. He loves the pirate movies. Fine. I love Pirates of the Caribbean movies, Throw man. Away. No. Those are good. Throw away. No. Those are good. And the first one's good. You know, the funny thing it. is, the funny thing is, I would lose the other movie that I like because it's Johnny Depp and Leonardo DiCaprio, and that's What's Eating Gilbert nah, Grape. What's Eating Gilbert Grape, you keep I would one. Lose, they just, I'd have the to other lose. person's just recast. I made that argument whenever I was talking about, yeah, you <laughs> might, you're going to keep Gilbert Grape because you just recast Johnny Depp. Yeah. Well, in that, in that scenario, why don't we just recast everything? Okay, if, whole, if we're recasting Depp, I'm good with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. You, you have to find somebody for some of these movies. Uh, yeah. But I was trying to think of the okay. other one. I don't remember. I, don't, I can't remember the last time I saw Edward Scissorhands. Anyway, yeah. go check out Facebook and have more engaging discussions like this one. Yes, agreed. Okay. Um, yep, that's it. Okay, we'll be back next time. Like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs>